We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. to episode 43 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you today by our Patreon members. Thank you. It is also our first sponsored episode. We're sponsored by the Soap Revolution. Follow it on Instagram. <laughs> so this episode is sponsored by Soap King Incorporated, which is Thorne's Soap Company. That is awesome. <laughs> and today I'm joined by Paige Turner. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself, say a little bit about yourself? So I'm Paige Turner. I co-host a podcast um, called Book Lit. It's for a little bit more um, of an adult crowd because we like to drink while we talk about books. Um, so sorry, kids. Maybe in a few years. But yeah, um, I have a co-host named Hollywood, and we just sit and chat and get real stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Which is why today I'm drinking Sprite, and you're drinking... Sparkling water. Because <laughs> my podcast is PG. Yes, but it is wild cherry, so I've got to get something in there. <laughs> yeah, so you're still a little wild. Just a little bit. <laughs> I like to ask my guests what your relationship with Marissa Meyer is. When did you find her? What was the first book you read by her? Oh, well, that's funny because the first book that I read by her was Cinder. I was at one of the big bookstores. I can't remember which one now. Um, And I saw it, and I was like, I saw the cover with Cinder's leg. And that red high heel. Yes, and that gorgeous shoe. And I was like... This looks like it's a Cinderella adaptation, but there's cyborg-type There's some kind of I'm, gear and mechanism under the yes, leg. Yeah. I was like, I need to read this. So I read that in about three days and was like, I have to go back. anymore. Yes, that's how I was when I saw the cover. I was like, <laughs> I have got to read this book. Yes. <laughs> I don't even care what it's about. It says Cinder... I and feel that like shoe. A, that, that shoe, shoe. makes <laughs> sounds. I'm just gonna grab it and go. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, and I couldn't put it down. Like it was so good. What is your favorite book by Marissa Meyer? Oh, or series? You can pick a series if you'd rather. So I've only I've only read the Luna Chronicles. Okay, so so you need to branch out. I yes, have been looking at them on uh, Amazon today. Well, we're about to be quarantined, possibly, so now's a good time. <laughs> just catch up on all of the reading. Um, probably Cress. Cress is my favorite, too. I love it. And who's your favorite character? Oh, I don't know that I can pick. I, I don't know. How about in these chapters that we read today? Okay, in just these chapters, probably... Probably Scarlet. Okay. I identify the most with her. Uh, because she has red curly hair? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I love it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> yes. You could be my Scarlet. Yay, I'll, be, I'll be Scarlet. I'll get you like a red hoodie for Christmas. So we actually have two fan arts to talk about because last week was a topical episode. 
So I didn't have fan art prepared for it. Our first fan art was from March 20th. And it's by, okay, sorry if I messed this up, Sagoda underscore San on Instagram. And it's Cinder and Kai at the Market. It's just, it's so beautiful. Like, I can't imagine. I have no artistic ability whatsoever. Me either. So when I saw this, I was like, who got into my, my brain and my imagination and drew this? Like, it's perfect. I love it. I love his facial expression. I love how she's being... Like, coy. Kind of shy. I love that you can see the kids in the background playing. But I love how, like, the two of them are so sharply in focus, but the... The background background is kind of that, like, vignette thing. Yes. Yes. Because that's not what matters. They're the only two people in the world. I love it. And the look on his face is just like, oh, my God. I'm going to talk to her. Like, <laughs> some teenage boy. I forget sometimes just how young they are when you're reading the books. Especially so, Kai. Because I as know. soon as he puts that emperor hat on, he speaks so differently than the right. way that we're used to him. Like, how he was at the ball and the press conference. It's like, okay, you can tell Torrin's words are coming out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Torrin is definitely in his ear. But then when he's, like, on his own and in his hoodie and his incognito he's he's so funny he's such a teenage boy and it's precious yes Uh, i I love love it it. it's so great so big thank you for sharing that with us and then we have another one from laura hollingsworth who has shared quite a few with us which is really great and it's a wolf yeah for march 27th i think it's pretty intense this this voluptuous redhead yes yes i like that yes i love (laughs) how vibrant the green eyes are and he's got the scratches on like his face and his neck and his hair is a mess and he's kind of scruffy like oh i love it so much yes that is very good job two very enthusiastic thumbs way up you're so cute (laughs) i love that i haven't heard that in so long you know what that's from I do, but now I can't think. It's from Clueless. The skater. Yeah. Enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> I so need to go watch Clueless. <laughs> I I hope not sporadically. Oh my god. I so I love the moment with her and Josh on the oh, staircase. Like Oh uh, okay. We're gonna get off topic. Um, okay. I'm just gonna yeah, talk about how sorry. much I love Paul Rudd and how he never ages. But this picture of Wolf is perfection. What I had in mind, and yes, it's amazing. Very great. So last week, our wonderful patrons—they didn't really have anything to vote on. We only had a couple of song choices, but chapter seventeen is titled "Animals" by Maroon Five. Chapter eighteen is titled "I Know Places" by Taylor Swift. Yay! Yay! So let us get into chapter discussion. We're back with Cinder, and they're on the ship. And they're moving junk around. And Thorin says, it's not junk. He doesn't know what it is, but it's not junk. It couldn't possibly be junk because he needs everything. <laughs> because it might be valuable because it's Thorn. Yes. <laughs> You're a criminal mastermind? <laughs> how? I don't understand how. But... <laughs> I told you the dogs talk a lot. <laughs> I was like, what was that? I that was Bailiff agreeing with us. Yeah, I, I have a cat. I don't have dogs. So some of those noises. I used to try really hard to like re-record stuff and edit stuff out, and honestly, it's a lot of work. So I I left it to a vote on Instagram one day of like, all right, guys, I spend a lot of time editing out all the noises the dogs make. 
So if it's not too disruptive, should I just leave it in there? What do you think? And everyone was like, leave it in. I was like, all right, it's staying. Because they talk and like, <laughs> have you listened to the episode? Sometimes they're very yes. vocal. And it's like, okay, we get it. You have an opinion. But they're not my guest. <laughs> yeah. No, my cat, his name is Mufasa. I call him Fasa for short. Aww. There's quite a few times that you hear me go, Fasa, get off the keyboard. <laughs> Stop. What are you doing? Well, as you notice, Gamp likes to give kisses to yes. everybody. Yes. And he doesn't, he doesn't understand that no means no, <laughs> which I, I mean in jest, but it really does mean no. Right. For anyone actually listening. It doesn't mean maybe, it doesn't mean later, it means no. No means no, exactly. So, I like that they felt a sense of accomplishment when they got done with everything. My husband calls it Tetrising, but I'm really good at organizing stuff to fit in a spot. Have you been to the shop lately? Um, it's been, well, I went last Wednesday for um yesterday i rearranged audio home and garden crafting and horror so i could and western so i could make five shelves for all those romance books and there's still two stacks on the floor oh my goodness i was in there like that was basically what i did all day yesterday i was just like moving this here and moving this here and moving this here and moving this here my husband calls it tetrisate because you're yeah you're rearranging everything to fit a specific finite space and I finally got done with all of it, and I texted Shireen, and I was like, okay, I did, like, the entire back room, and there's still all these romance books. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how she's going to get rid of all those. I really hope, like, a collector comes in someday and just, like, sweeps the shelves, you know? Yeah. Or, or I don't know. I, I do my best, but I just book. don't like them. I don't either. I, I grabbed a couple that I know I'll read, because I, I do like some Nora Roberts. So I grabbed one series that's like a witch trilogy, and I was like, I'll probably like that. It's fantasy. The thing about romance novels is they're like a super fast read, yeah. you know, the way that Twilight is. Yeah. So maybe it would be like a good palate cleanser after a really intense series or something. That's how I'm kind of trying to look at it. Yeah. I mix mine up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a full buffet of books. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I try really hard to branch out sometimes, but really the last few years I've been like obsessed with young adult fantasy. So that's that's where I've been gravitating towards, especially fairy tale adaptations. Yeah, I get it. They're they're comforting. They are comforting. Like you kind of know the ending, but you still want to know how you get there. Yeah, you know, it's like when you see a remake, you know what's gonna happen, but that doesn't mean you don't want to enjoy the journey and the story. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Anyways, back to Tetris. Yeah, thing. back to Tetris. See, and, this is and Thorn. And this is how tangents happen, <laughs> especially as scatterbrained as I am. So they finally get everything moved around and cozy. It bordered on cozy. I loved that. Yes, because messy isn't always a bad thing. Well, I tell we myself. we move so much with the military, and. You know, there's always that, like, lull where you kind of live out of baskets and boxes while you're mm-hmm. moving. And even just getting one room set up and being like, okay, everything in the kitchen is, like, done. It's put away. <laughs> it has a drawer or a cabinet or something. It really does change the vibe. So, I, I mean, I kind of think it's great when you get to that point where you can kind of be like, okay, I feel much better. It's all done. Well, and as humans, we crave order. So. Yes. It, it does it. It it sits well with our with our soul. 
That sounds weird. <laughs> but it does. It settles us. It, it, yeah. it comforts us, like we said. So now they get to feel a little cozy, and they're, they're going to unpack all the crates. And again, the captain doesn't really know his ship very well because he has no idea what's in the crates. He's like, there's some food, and I think there's some weapons, and there might be some collectible stuff, some art. And stuff he and stole. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and stuff he stole that he was going to resell. Questionable them. goods. <laughs> but he got caught before he could sell them. Right. <laughs> then it's revealed that they covered the door to medbay with crates. Well, but when are you ever going to need that? That feels really ominous to me. Like, the second you say that, it's dun, like, dun, dun. that's when something <laughs> happens, right? Like... <laughs> Yes, but it's Thorne. He'll talk his way out of any dangerous situation. He might not talk his way out of it if he, like, what if, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like medicine doesn't always, like, allow for argumentative. <laughs> well, not always, but who's going to fix him besides now Cinder? Yeah. <laughs> it was just him. <laughs> well, if he's, if he's super annoying, she might not fix him. <laughs> but he says they never needed it, so... We'll see. Of course, Cinder finally asks, well, can anything in these crates be tracked? And he goes, I'm no amateur. You could have fooled me, Thorne. Yeah, I'm you, pretty sure. You've done some pretty amateur stuff. Although, to be fair, if it could have been tracked, it probably would have been tracked in the warehouse. And it wasn't. Very unless true. Alec had some cool block tracker scrambler thing. Yeah, so like... No, scrambler. That's a perfect word. Yeah. Unless he has some kind of cool blocker or scrambler, it's probably not being tracked. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been tracked way sooner. And then this was the line you really liked, and I I put it in my notes, but do you want to say it? Aika says that there may not be any trackers, and she makes both Thorne and Cinder jump because they forgot that that she was there because she's... The ship. Yeah, she yeah. Is, she's, she's just the, the she's ship the sh- now. She's the ship. Um, <laughs> she And they call her, uh, they say that they're still not used to their invisible, omnipresent companion. And I want one. I love that. Yeah, I want an invisible, omnipresent companion. I love <laughs> that line so much. I think I read that and I just, it, that's why it's in my notes because I thought it was so sweet. But yeah, so they realize that it can't. They may not be able to be tracked, but they can still be detected on radar. Yeah, so they they could still get found. But it's surprisingly crowded up there. There's a lot going on. There's lots of ships, and there's lots of satellites. And that kind of makes sense. We're, you know, this far into the future, and there's some kind of relationship with the moon. So it makes sense that there would be even more, like, clutter in outer space. If you think about how many cars are on the roads. Right. And it's and so easy. And think about that in the sky. And they can, like, zero to the stars in two seconds. I right. mean, that's... If he can go that way with a stolen ship, there's got to be a lot of stuff up there. So, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's kind of crazy to think about, though, that being up in a spaceship and there being other spaceships that you can see. <laughs> <laughs> because right now in our world, it's like, if you're up there, you're probably the only one. Yeah, pretty much. You imagine just, like, looking out the spaceship window and being like, hi, look, there's a doggo! <laughs> a space doggo! <laughs> that's what we do now. We drive around and we see a dog and we're like, oh my god, there's a dog in that car! Right? You'd think we'd never seen one before. That's how I act. <laughs> so Cinder has this moment where she recalls hearing that there's a trick to it. There's a trick that lunars can do to cloak their ships. 
from being hidden. It's a conversation that she had with Dr. Elon, but at the moment she can't quite remember it. And Thorne is pretty good at sweet talking, he says. Hmm. But sh- Sanders too high profile. Pretty sure you're high profile now too, bro. Right. Because you're her bestie, so. <laughs> Your pretty face is everywhere. If nothing else, Kai <laughs> saw you and did not like how attractive you were, so. You have the bestie. emperor on your bad side. <laughs> yeah. It's not Cinder. The Cinder's not the only one who's um, highly noticeable now. No, they're both noticeable. And this is when Cinder realizes Lunars know how to cloak their spacecraft. She remembers Dr. Erlon telling her. And Iko says that's terrifying. Iko, who had acknowledged the truth of Cinder's race much as she acknowledged Thorne's convicted status, with loyalty and acceptance, but without changing her opinion that Lunars and convicts remained untrustworthy and unredeemable as a general rule. Isn't that just like, well, I don't know, I'm the same way. I'm, I can be like, I love you, but everybody else like you. No. <laughs> well, I know, that's the thing. Like, that's exactly what Scarlet talks about a lot in this book. She talks about, like, how, you know, we should get to know them before we judge everybody who falls under that category. You know, Iko is an android. Right. She's programmed. So something in her programming allows her to accept these two people but not to overcome the entire stereotype, which is crazy that even as an android, she has those limitations. I have a very shocked look on my face because I stupidly just put together. She is literally programmed to think this way. Yes. It's really easy to forget that she's an android. I do it all the time. (laughs) It's hard to remember that she's, a sentient being, but isn't right. actually human. She's artificial intelligence. Right. It's really easy to forget that. I do it all the time. But it's moments like this where you forget it because that sounds like something that you would say about a human. Yeah. Oh, she accepts me, but can't get over her her stereotypes about the rest of the people. Right. You know. And I would like to clarify, when I was talking about, when I said something like, you're okay, but the rest... I mean more like not people. I'm not a dog person, but I see a dog and I'm like, oh my goodness, doggo. Yeah. I don't want other dogs. But this one right here in front of me, that's, my, <laughs> that's what I meant. I just yeah. realized how that well, came Well, it, it just, it's so, people get so caught up in their own world and identity mm-hmm. that they sometimes forget. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I think I've been pretty vocal about it, but my family is Jewish and Romanian and Italian and there were gypsy tribes in my family. So World War II is a bit of a sore subject for us, you know. Right. But, God, you would be surprised how many jokes people make about Jewish people even now. Or gypsies. Yeah. Even I now. Without even thinking about it. One time, this person who knew me very well and had known me for a very long time. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to be that person. But she knew me very well and she knew me for a very long time. And she's mm-hmm. a family member. But we're not related by birth um, or by blood. She made a joke about her son when he was being annoying. She's like, I'm going to give you to those dirty gypsies. And my neck snapped because my great grandmother was in a gypsy tribe. Like, I'm right. not, and I'm not saying that as like she was a wandering spirit. No, like they took their wagon caravans and fleed Romania so that they wouldn't die during the Nazi purge. Like, oh my goodness. It's a big deal in my family. And she, but to her, it was just a joke. She didn't even think about it. She's right. like, it's not like gypsies are even real people. And it's like, what? 
it's a huge misconception. Right. Just like the whole the whole Roma thing. There's a lot of people now that are like, well, you shouldn't say gypsy. You should say Roma. And it's like, well, it depends on who you're talking to. Right. Because Roma is a specific tribe. So there's a lot of people that are trying to re-embrace the name and make it about them again and not something bad. You know, it's like, for example, I hate the word gypped because that's where it's derived oh. from. So, like, when someone is, you know... Let's say that Beowulf doesn't like it either. Did you hear him? I did. Um, <laughs> so, like, let's say that you bought a car and you got a bad deal. Someone will say, oh, he gypped you on that. That's where gypped is derived from. Gypsy. He gypsied you on that. He gave you a bad deal. He took you for granted. He was a pickpocketer. Right. He was a con man. And so I hate that word. People use it in everyday conversations. They don't realize where it came from. And so they don't they don't think about it. Yeah, I, I had never put the gypped with gypsy. Like, until you just said it, I was like, oh. Yeah. Never. And it's, it's whatever. I mean, I'm not like, I don't harp on people. People don't know that that's what it means. Right. And it's 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 all about the educating of people and not just berating people. Absolutely. It's, um I've said this before on a couple episodes. My sister's boyfriend is Trinidadian. He doesn't like to be called African-American. He preferred to just be called black. Because well, he's not African American. Right. He's Trinidadian and American. And he doesn't like that, you know, all black people are considered African American, even though they come from all these different cultures and backgrounds. But there are people who prefer to be called African American and not black. My friend um, Taisha was like that. She doesn't want to be called black. She wants to be called African American. And she and I had that conversation because I was like, well, my brother in law, you know, and she's like, we're all, di- you just, you know, you might. You might just have to ask. You might just have to say, hey, you know, I I don't want to accidentally offend you. I'm just going to be honest. What do you prefer to be identified as? And that's what we're learning in society now about non-binary people is we need to ask. You know, is there a specific gender you want? Do you prefer to not be gender labeled at all? Because you don't know that just talking to someone or just looking at someone. And you never want to make them uncomfortable by accidentally invoking that stereotype right i've often wondered about the whole black versus african-american because i know several people who are from jamaica Mm -hmm. and i don't want to refer to them as african-american because they are jamaican you might want to ask them what they prefer i will tell you that my family i i my sisters and i are the first to be born in the united states so I come from a very big immigrant family. My family will tell you that they are American because they fought you really hard to come over here. Right. People died. People were injured. People were left behind. People went ahead without other people. Like it was an ordeal to get here and right. they earned that right to be called American. And there's such a topic these days about like, well, what's your ethnicity? And I mean, if you ask my grandfather right now, he's not going to tell you. I'm an Italian Jew. He's going to be like, I'm American. I have the paper to prove it because that's something he went through. That's something right. he and his wife went through and his family and his sisters and children. And and it just, it really does become this thing with, it needs to be okay to ask. I think it's better to ask than to assume, you know, the right. way that Cinder did. There aren't any lunars on earth. All lunars are, you know, savages, I think was the word that she used. And barbarians was another word she used. And she doesn't know a single lunar. 
she's making all of this up off right. of the whole reason that she has this opinion is because there's stereotypes that feed her that information and she believes it. And our society is no different. Well, and what she has seen of lunars is goes a long way towards that stereotype. It does. It does. It really does. And, you know, stereotypes come from somewhere. Right. There's a tiny grain of truth, but then they still Yeah, and it's still a stereotype. Yeah. It's still a stereotype. Like, um, all redheads are sassy or Scottish. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, right. you get that... Con- My husband's a redhead. I get a lot of times, you know... All redheads have short tempers. Yes. And not really. Like, we are passionate people, but mine is just more happy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And you can be a passionate person without being a redhead. And you can have a short temper without being a redhead. I know plenty of people who do. Lots of But um, those, you know, we get a lot of gendered stereotypes, too. My boss is a very successful businesswoman. Mm-hmm. She's an independent bookstore owner. That's mm-hmm. something she did all on her own and something she still does all on her own. And she gets all the time. Did your daddy buy this store for you? Your husband is so nice. He's so nice to you letting you run the store while he's gone. That's her store. Yeah. That is her blood, sweat, and tears and years of effort. That is her store. No man helped her get to where she is. No. But there's a stereotype. That she couldn't possibly have done that on her own. That she had to have gotten funding or support or something from her her daddy or her husband to to be able to be that successful. So the message is... People. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back. We, we went on this ramp. But yeah. just like don't stereotype. But even Aiko as an android is, is stereotyping yeah. here. And Cinder is not much better because... In Cinder, she was, in her own book, she was stereotyping. Right. And she is also stereotyped because she is... Cyborg and lunar. Yeah. An orphan, for that matter. Yeah. So, it's a very prevalent problem, but, you know, just take the steps to, in your own life, work to stop stereotyping people. And that will, it'll have a ripple effect. So anyway, back to the book. <laughs> it's just an opportunity. Marissa Meyer is diverse, and she yeah. shows representation of world world issues, right? Like prejudice and stereotyping, and it's an opportunity for us to educate ourselves and to try to do better and to be better and to just be kinder. It's not yeah. hard, and in this society, it matters where you come from. Because Cinder can hide the fact that she's lunar. Right. And with the right clothing, she's been able to hide the fact that she's cyborg. But once people know, they can't unknow. Right. And now they do. And Thorne seems to be more accepting of her than Aiko, even though Aiko loves her. She's like, well, I still hate all other lunars. I think Thor just... Thor's kind of like a... He's a collector, he just needs um, a hot babe. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. And it's like, I've never been with a cyborg before. Ultimate <laughs> creep out right there. <laughs> so Cinder decided not to tell Aiko about being Selene. And 
I think probably because she doesn't want Thorne to know, but also because Iko's an android. So, like, she can't just be like, hey, can you keep a secret? Right, because if somebody were to hack into her, pro- forbid, yeah. hack her or, or steal her. Steal her, hack into her programming. Like, that information could be... Out there. Yeah. For everybody. And yeah. Cinder doesn't even know yet, like, what she's going to do with that information. She yeah, she hasn't she, even really figured out what she How wants. she feels about that information. No, she's still trying to figure out if she even likes that about herself. Yeah. I love Thorne, like, rolling his wrist when he's talking. <laughs> I can very much see him do that. Yes, he's just like, ha, ah, not a care in the world, whatever. I just, he amuses me. So then Cinder quotes Dr. Erland, calling oh, yeah. it magic only empowers them. I was just about to say how much I love that because... Um, there's another something that that's in. It reminds me of Harry Potter when they say fear of the name. Yes. Only increases increases the fear fear. itself. Yeah. And that's what they say to kind of be like, it's okay if we say Voldemort out loud. Right. Um, and yeah, it reminds me of that a lot too. Like you're only giving them power. You're only enabling them. You're only providing them more power by doing this. Right. Because if it's magic, then it's mysterious and it's. It's um, almost elitist. Yeah. And it's a group that nobody else can get into. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Elitist is a great word for it. And then, you know, it's just bioelectricity. It's just an ability that they have to manipulate it that humans don't have. They were born with it. They mutated it. They didn't get it by, you know, earning it. Yeah. Or by force or by power or by money. It's like people with really good hearing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a genetic modification. So right. he says, you should try to use your magic. And she said, she'll try. So she starts moving the crates again. And she's like, what's in this one? She just puts her arm in. She's like, I just I just wonder. I don't know what's in there. My arm's not going in without like a little peek. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. With my luck, it would be full of, I don't know, bugs. snakes or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, admittedly, they'd probably be dead at this point. But. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe dead snakes then. That's not fun either. Like, no. yeah. But she pulls out a Venezuelan dream doll worth 12,000 units. How much money do we think that is? I have, okay, so I feel like you've done a more in-depth look at this as to how much units probably compare. I feel like it's a dollar, right? You think? That's kind of what I thought, but I feel like, like it's a dollar or the equivalent of would, a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I would say for so. an ugly doll, <laughs> because any more than that, and it wouldn't really make sense. But right. yeah, I feel like it's a dollar. It's just a universal currency, so it'd be the same as like a euro. It's a dollar. It's, right. it's just a, It's the smallest unit of measurement of money. money. Yeah, right. that's what I think. But still, twelve thousand for an ugly doll. I, I mean, there's plenty of ugly art out there that, <laughs> this is very that someone sees as valuable, so. <laughs> and then I love how Cinder's just like, you don't think you might have something useful in all this? Like, I don't know, a fully charged power cell? Because they only have 37 hours left, and right. then they're going to fall out of the sky. And trust Thorin to have a really ugly, expensive doll, but nothing useful. <laughs> and also not a care in the world. Like, later he's like, whatever, we'll figure it out. I'm going to go get a can of beans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, you got this cinder. He's I so carefree. It's insane. I wish I could be that way. So the power saw has 37 hours left. 
plenty of time to learn a new trick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But she's not really comfortable using her new gift, so she starts thinking about, well, where should we land? Maybe Fiji. And I immediately was like, aren't you supposed to be going to Africa? Well, isn't it... Was it her that said Fiji? Was that not her? I thought it was Thorn. No, it's... It's 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 Cinder? Yeah. Because she... He says it's plenty of time to learn, and she says, in the meantime, I'll do a little research. Oh, that's right. And then Iko says, let's go to Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm not taking a a stolen American (laughs) ship to America. But she wants to go shopping. (laughs) Because there's an escort droid store there. She wants a different body already. She's done being this spaceship. And again, such a girl. She wants the newer model that comes with the color-changing fiber optic hair. (laughs) (laughs) Life is stressful. Let's change the color. You know what? I like color and glitter and shiny things so I'm down. I could totally see you being an Ico. Oh I'm definitely <laughs> Ico. I'm Ico but with a library master's degree. Yes. <laughs> I just I I'm not nearly as intelligent because she has the access to literally all the world's knowledge at her fingertips, but yeah, I mean But you're working on it. Like. I'm I'm trying. <laughs> I'm at least trying to find the resources to give myself access. Right. <laughs> So, Descender, here we notice she's actually developing a little bit of a nervous tick without her gloves because she keeps reaching to tighten them, and they're not there. Right. So then she just, like, fiddles with her wrist. I actually do this with my hair. So when we met, my hair was really long, remember? It was. I was going to point out that your haircut looks really great. Thank you. But then we didn't have a good segue. Um, Yeah, my hair was super long. It was, like, 20 inches longer, and I used to, because I don't like putting it up it's heavy Mm -hmm. and it just hurts not as much now um so I used to twist it right like this and then I would just kind of pull it back and it would just stay there Mm -hmm. and I do that sometimes and nothing happens because there's no (laughs) hair left I don't know that I have a nervous tick I would like like somebody to watch me because I don't think that I would notice it I will try okay yeah, I'll see if I notice anything now. I feel like I'm going to be <laughs> staring at you <laughs> intensely. So she doesn't want to land a stolen American ship in America. And now she's looking at the her prison picture keeps popping up. She fixes her attention on the net screen where her own prison picture hovered in the corner. If anybody's wondering why that sounded really disembodied, it's because I read it upside down. (laughs) I was was about to be like, for reading this upside down, you're doing very good. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) But she notices her picture, and she she hates her picture. Can we not all relate to not hating our ID pictures? Come on. And, of course, it's not going to be a good picture. Yeah. Like, it's just awful. If you got a chance to go check out the fugitive poster that we shared on our Instagram... So it was from this last Friday, March 6th, by Cosmic Nova Flare, and it was incredible. That is gorgeous. Right? That was our fan art of her of her poster, her fugitive poster. So if that is her picture, I get why she hates it, because she looks so sad, and she's got grief right. on her, but it's beautiful. Yeah, that so, would look way better than a fugitive picture of me. Right? <laughs> So now she's, like, trying to think of suggestions. And now Africa pops into her head because that's where Dr. Erland wants her to go because he has big plans for her. We get a little bit of a recap as to who Dr. Erland is and what he wants her to do. But basically, he... Oh, 
Maybe I'll just read this whole paragraph. Okay, so Dr. Erlon set up the cyborg draft to find her, killed hundred, probably hundreds of cyborgs like throwaways, and then finally found her. He had made his need for revenge the highest priority, which is why I think he's a Slytherin, but that's just me. Huh, I could totally see that. Just, just, and there's nothing wrong with being a Slytherin, but he's very much like for the greater good kind of mindset. So that's why I think he's Slytherin. I have some people who said he's Ravenclaw. He might be, but I think he's Slytherin. Anybody with the mentality of for the greater good, like that's right. That's just like an MO kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total Hufflepuff, so. I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm a librarian. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a librarian. What else would I be? But what the doctor hadn't considered was that Cinder had no desire to be queen. She didn't want to be a princess or an heir to anything. All her life, at least all the life she could remember... All she'd ever wanted was freedom. Well, she kind of has freedom now in a spaceship orbiting Earth for at least 37 hours. Very limited freedom. I would say very limited. Very limited freedom. But I like, I love how she writes these books because that's all anybody, almost anybody wants. It's just a chance, a chance to be who... He or she wants to be. And who, and to find out who that is. Right. She's 16. She doesn't know who she... I am such a different person than when I was 16. I'm a different person than when I was 20. I mean... I was going to say, I'm 32, and I'm a different person than I was when I was 31 and a half. Yes. No, I'm <laughs> a very different person even from the person who started this podcast, you know? Right. And she's 16. It's She's still trying to find out who she is. And now all this Dr. Airline stuff, she doesn't know what she wants to do, but she knows she doesn't want to be queen. Right. Well, she doesn't want to, she doesn't necessarily want to be lunar, and she really can't help that. No, but she definitely doesn't want to be cyborg either. And again, she can't help that. No. She feels like she's in binded shackles. Mm-hmm. Which was a great line. Um, and she can't get her hand to stop shaking. She's just not ready for she she's ready for a journey of self discovery, but she's having trouble making that happen in her current climate and situation. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're being chased and yeah, that's not exactly the best. well, and she feels like she can't even fully embrace and try to figure out who she is because she's talking to someone who may unintentionally give her away with Iko, uh-huh. and she doesn't really trust Thorn. And why should she? She doesn't know much about him. No, just that she had to. Use him to get out of jail. <laughs> I mean, he used her too, but right. yeah. Um, but they decide. She says, "Europe, we're gonna go to Europe." She tries to feign certainty. I love that. Right. I feel like that's how I get through life. Fake it till you make it, baby. <laughs> yes. That that fake confidence. She's trying to figure out how much about Celine she wants to reveal, and then so this is when she decides to ask Thorn, "Do you believe in Celine?" And he says, of course I do. No, I mean, do you believe she's still alive? Because it was so vague the first time. <laughs> yes, of course I think she's alive. This is so vague the first time. I love how sassy he is. Their witty, like, friendship banter back and forth I find so amusing. It and, cracks me up. And it's so refreshing because in most stories you have, like, oh, Every boy and girl is a couple, and these two, and they're so not. Or a love triangle, which I hate. Oh, my gosh. Those are so annoying. Sorry, guys, if you love love triangles, but they get get old. Real fast. Real fast. But I love this because they're just, like, (laughs) snarky, 
best friends that aren't best friends yet. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I love it, too. Sure, I know some people think it's all conspiracy theories, but I've heard that Queen Lavana was really paranoid for months after that fire, when she should have been ecstatic because she was finally queen, right? It's like she knew the princess had gotten away. Okay, here we go. So now Cinder's like, okay, this is why I want to go to Europe. Mm-hmm. There's this ex-wing commander, Michelle Benoit, who might know something about it. Right. And... Thorne is like, well, where did you hear this? An android told me. A royal android. Kai's android? <laughs> His majesty's android, because he's emperor now. Thorne is like, well, how did the android get this information? A valid question. That they don't really address. That they don't address. No. We've been given no indication as to how this android got this information. She just did. Yeah. So that's why they want to go to Europe. And here's where I start to, I love Thorne. I've been a big Thorn supporter all book. I think he's funny. I think he's like kind of carefree in a way that we really need because these books are super intense. Right. But he's smart because he's the one who pointed out that, you know, she was really freaked out after that. Yeah. You shouldn't be paranoid. You should either be in mourning because your niece just died. Right. Or you you should should be be happy or queen. Yes. And either way, being paranoid means that you don't believe she's actually dead. Right. But what bothers me is he says he's in. Mm-hmm. She says, you are? Sure. This is the biggest unsolved mystery of the third era. There's got to be someone out there offering a reward for finding this princess, right? So for money, you're willing to give up a teenage girl and send her to her death. We assume, because right. if Lavana tried to kill her once, which is the theory, right. then that she, bitch is going to do it again as right. soon as you find her, which is why she wants to find her. And why she's the one offering the biggest reward. Yeah. But do you think he thought it through enough to actually... I don't think he, he thinks think of he it that, that way. He just sees dollar signs. Well, uni signs. Yeah, uni signs. <laughs> signs. I think he just... I think he just sees money. He just yeah. sees profit. He sees potential gain. And I don't even think he sees money. I think he sees past the money. He sees what can I do with that money. But only past the money for him, not for what would happen to Celine. Not for what would happen to Celine or even Cinder. Yeah. Yeah. Or Queen Lavana. Or the big picture is not there. Yeah, no. He's very, like, focused on his own goals and his own ambitions, which apparently is to steal. (laughs) I do like the biggest unsolved mystery of the third era. Cause it kind of reminds me of the missing princess Anastasia, which is another one of my favorite princess stories. Yes. Well, I got obsessed with true crime learning about the Romanov family and I love Anastasia. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Thorne goes, I hope she's cute. And Cinder's like, can we just focus on the important? And he's like, whatever, I'm getting a can of beans. Do you want some beans? (laughs) Such a dude answer. I I hope she's cute. Now I'm going to (laughs) eat. But he leaves and Cinder is watching the news again. And it says the hunt continues for lunar fugitive Lynn Cinder and crown trader Dimitri Erland. Crown trader? Well, yeah. Yeah. He helped you escape and then quit his job and went to Africa. Yeah, not, not besties. (laughs) Well, and 
It's not like he was super subtle about it either. Like, everybody knows that he helped you now. (laughs) Y'all work out on camera. Right. So now she remembers, like, well, he wants me to go to Africa, but what if I just go to Europe? I really want to find some answers. Let's go to Europe. And she starts thinking about her memories. And she has very vague memories before the, or, or maybe even after the surgery. Um, I think most of them are after the surgery. I think they're after the surgery. But it says she'd been adopted in Europe and she had the faintest recollection of it. Only drug-muddled memories that she'd always thought might be part dream. A barn, a snow-covered field, a gray sky that never ended. So that could be a farm. Yeah. It could very well be a farm. Yeah. In the and winter? In the winter. And we know that, you know, Michelle Benoit lives on a farm and she might have had something to do with Celine and Cinder is Celine. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense that, she, all right, well, we got to go talk to Michelle. We got to yeah. figure out what's going on. And start at the beginning of the story. And she wonders if going to Europe is just avoiding her fate. Avoiding the inevitable. Because she's still going to be the heir, and she still is going to be the only way to overthrow Queen Lavana. and shouldn't she want to do that? She wants to... I, th- I don't necessarily think that she doesn't want to do it. I think that she just doesn't want to be queen. And she doesn't want to be like Queen Lavana. I think I think she doesn't want Queen Lavana to be in power, but she doesn't want to have to be the one to take her out. I mean, isn't that how we all feel? <laughs> yeah, especially in today's political climate. There's plenty of people we don't want elected, but it's like, whoops. Right. And well, and we not even in political things, you know, even something as little as I don't want the dishes in the sink, but I don't want to be the one to go wash them. Right. Like, <laughs> no, it's 100% true. And I mean, I think in Cinder's situation, she feels obligated. But she doesn't really know how to even embrace this destiny, let alone what to do with it. Right. And I I don't think she can embrace it until she goes and finds out more More. about herself. Yeah. Because there's all these missing years. There's 11 years of missing memories. Yeah. I would want to know what happened in those 11 years. Mm -hmm. If there's 11 minutes missing, I'm wondering what happened. When I have seizures, I'll lose days sometimes. Oh, wow. Because you just go into this fog and then your brain slowly brings things back. And so it's like people telling you what happened, but I I don't really remember them. I can't imagine feeling that way about the first 11 years of my life. Yeah, no. It's, it's terrifying. So she starts thinking about how to be lunar. And she's looking at her new metal hand and it doesn't feel like her hand because it's shiny it's clean and it's pretty. So it's not covered in grease, grease and, and scratches and the life of a mechanic. Right. And she wonders, what would it be like to be fully human? She just kind of stares at her hand. This is the first time she intentionally uses her gift to glamour herself. And she does it. She makes her hand look like flesh. She was looking at two hands. Two human hands. An almost giddy laugh fell out of her. And then that light. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, I didn't see her as intentionally doing it. I saw it as her gift kind of taking over. Like she was thinking about how it would look 
if she had two human hands and oh wait now my hand is here like I think I mean in the sense that like when she changed her appearance at the ball and she glamoured everybody mm-hmm. and everyone realized that she was Celine by how she looked or at least Dr. Erlon said that right. she didn't even realize she'd done it she had no idea it had happened so at least this time she's aware of it even if it wasn't intentional Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think it just so happened she was staring at her hands, wishing it was human, and then the next thing you know, it's human. And I I think you're absolutely right. And as soon as her brain says, this is a lie, this, like, realization washes over her. This is how Lavana does it. It's so easy. This is how she glamoured Thorne. He didn't even realize it. Right. It's really easy to abuse people when they don't realize they're being abused. Which is how abusive relationships take form. Yeah. Absolutely. And why people have such a hard time getting out of them because... The toxicity is normalized. Yeah. And Absolutely. And it, it starts a little bit here and there, and you don't even realize it's happening until it's too late. Yep. And that's a very overwhelming thing. And now Thorne is just walking around humming on the ship, And this is where Cinder says, I'm never going to be like Lamana. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be Queen Lamana. She won't be the predator. Yeah. She won't do it. And I think in her 16-year-old brain, because, again, you have to remember, she's 16. She's still developing. She's a sophomore in high school. Right. And so the only things, the the only options that she sees are be Lunar and be like Lamana. Or the cyborg outcast. Yeah. Those are her options to her way of thinking. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, there are people in our age who would still think that way. Oh, yeah. A lot of them. I, I sometimes see myself in boxes. I, I try not to. But, you know, when you start looking at your life in a certain way, when you start thinking about, well, where do I want my life to go? You know, what what do I want my life to be like? What are my ambitions? What are my goals? When you have those conversations with yourself... It's hard not to be like, well, this is what I'm doing, right. obviously. But that's that's the end of our chapter. It was kind of intense. We have a lot going on with Cinder, and it's all kind of on her inner monologue, but I think that she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with this new information. And she really doesn't know what she wants to do, but she knows what she doesn't want to do. Right. Which is still helping her on the path to making those decisions. Yeah, a lot of my decisions are based more on what I don't want. Absolutely. So there were five eggs and two gloves in this chapter. Okay, so my chapter title is Reflection from Mulan by Christina Aguilera. That is one of my favorite songs. Yay! She's going through so much right now that she wouldn't recognize herself if she looked in the mirror. No. She can't even look, recognize her own hand. Right. Because it's too clean. It's too shiny. And then she makes it a human hand. Well, it's never been a human hand in her memory. So just, yeah, I, I thought it felt very well placed. Like, I thought it was a good representation of this chapter. And while she doesn't have a family, like, she's still wanting to make Kai proud and, like, be the person that... She wants his. She wants to be the person that Kai thought she was. Yes. Before the ball. Yes. Yes. That's and a good point. I think I completely agree. She wants to be the person that Kai thought she was. Yeah, and that's you know 
the whole song reflection is about being yourself and who your family wants you to be and And trying to figure out how to be both those people yeah Yeah, absolutely so what was your your quote for this chapter I think we already talked about it yeah so my quote was just so it was they still weren't used to their invisible omnipresent companion that's that's my favorite I love it I want one I want an Anko so my quote was if this was her chance to decide who she was who she wanted to be then the first decision was an easy one. She would never be like Queen Lavana. It's a good goal. Yeah. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. So chapter 20, we're back with Scarlet and Wolf. And last time we saw them, they had just they jumped off the train, like jumping into a stack of hay. <laughs> I loved that. So they've been walking by the tracks and the smell of tree sap in the coming autumn, which makes me miss home. Because I don't think I've smelled that since we moved down here. Yeah, we don't have tree sap and yeah. coming on. But it, anybody who does knows, <laughs> knows the smell I'm talking about, and it's wonderful. And it's already been an hour, and she's listening to sounds that don't belong to the forest because she can hear the androids searching for them. So they leave the tracks. They go off into the woods to try to hide a little bit, and they're just walking around kind of like they are on hiking trails. They're watching out for tripped up roots and low-hanging branches, and they climb up this embankment. And they can see the train and all the people below. And it's kind of like, I don't know why, but I picture it kind of like in spy movies when people are hiding behind like a crate and they like just pop their head over the top and it's like, everybody can see you, but whatever. (laughs) Oh, see, I was thinking of it more like in um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where they're behind the... Yeah, where they're behind the pumpkins. Yes. Why are we leaving? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. That's exactly what it's like. So the people below are trapped in the train. They're quarantined because of the plague, which we've seen a lot of recently. Right. The androids are patrolling the train to try and prevent people from escaping. So Scarlet takes off her hoodie because it might be a little noticeable. No. Green trees. Giant, bright, red hoodie. No. Nah. It all blends together. And Wolf says that the androids know they're missing, and so he holds a tree branch out so she can walk under it. It's those little details that are, <laughs> that just make me like, oh, he's so sweet. Like I know <sighs> he's so like ferocious. And, ferocious isn't the right word, but like powerful. Powerful. Yeah, yeah I was just about so to say powerful. that. <laughs> but then he he holds a tree branch back and in my of course in my head it's not like a tiny little branch no it's, it's like, like a big it's like the whole <laughs> half a trunk of tree and he's just like it's like in twilight when they're like picking up whole trees and yes. like, where do you want this <laughs> yes yes absolutely but they're moving really slow and the androids haven't come yet so they stop just once and they get really low to the ground and wolf puts his hand on the back on her back to try and steady her and yeah. calm her down which is really cute because, like, two hours ago, he would barely touch her right. with the pad of his finger. And now he's like, it's okay, sweetie. <laughs> Calm down. It'll be fine. I'm here. So Wolf is still tapping his hand. He's got all this nervous energy. And the noise of the lost civilization are finally starting to fade away. So now we can walk. We can leave the forest. We can get back to the track. We can keep walking. 
kind of reminds me of when they're just stumbling around in Harry Potter when they're looking for the Horcruxes and they're just like walking around and hopping from random forest to random forest and camping and at least in this book they have some direction (laughs) like they know where they're going right yeah it's just gonna take forever like the Horcruxes are a purpose but they're not a direction they're not a plan Wolf like suddenly stops and his ears perk up and they hear more wolves because they've been walking for hours and they haven't seen anything. Right. And she thinks about how beautiful the forest would be if she wasn't so tired and so hungry. I, I just kept thinking, like, every time I go on walks, if I'm not, like, with my husband, I'm listening to a podcast. They're just listening to nothing and <laughs> hoping that that nothing stays nothing because otherwise it means they're caught. Yeah, I can't imagine because every little sound I would be like, there was somebody there. There was somebody there. Like, like um, entangled yeah. when... She freaks out. Ruffians! Sucks! And it's like a tiny little rabbit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's already been 18 miles, and they still have 30 to go. <laughs> so I did the math. If you consider that the average human being walks a mile in about 20 minutes, they've been walking for about six hours straight. I can't imagine. My feet would hurt. My thighs would hurt. I'd be so thirsty. I'd be so hungry. I mean, admittedly, the other night I danced for four hours straight, but I had music and other people to keep me going. But I bet you were still tired when you got done. I was so tired. (laughs) Like, you probably went to your bed. You probably laid in your bed like, I've never been so exhausted before. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to be asleep. Yep, exactly (laughs) what I did. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a junction in half a mile, and they should see trains soon. And she goes, how are we going to get on? And he goes, the same way we got off. (laughs) <laughs> just gonna jump, and he he sends a sly grin towards her, just like jumping off a barn, wasn't? <laughs> that works for jumping off. That's it. Doesn't work the other way. Yeah, no, he jumps onto the roof of the barn. <laughs> She's trying to make small talk, and she goes, "Well, who would win in a fight? You versus an entire pack of wolves. Let's say that the pack of wolves is six, and he says he could take six, and then she goes." A lot. What about you and a lion? He goes, a cat, don't insult me. <laughs> this is part of, like, part of, my favorite part, this is easily my favorite part of the chapter. They're, yeah. like, witty banter. Well, and he takes it so seriously at first. He's like, well, how big is the pack? Yeah, he's like, I could probably take a small one. Yeah, I could take six. I'm, I'm good to get sense. And he's like, a cat, Psh, it's a cat. Don't insult me. <laughs> I love that. A bear. What if she needs to rescue him? Okay. <laughs> All right, Scar, let's uh, reel it back a little bit. I'm not sure how much rescuing you're going to do unless you entirely use nothing but your pistol. Us redheads are feisty. That's true. <laughs> she finally makes him smile, and Wolf says there's a lake nearby, and she says, smile again. That thing you just did. And he immediately clams up. Because he knows. And so she forces it. She grabs his mouth and pulls it open and sees that his canines have been sharpened to look like fangs. Or actually, all of his teeth yeah, and the canines thing. especially look like fangs. Yeah. Like wolf teeth. And, and he it, seems ashamed. I mean, he is ashamed. Yeah. and But they, they must take this wolf thing really seriously, like she said. But they're implants. Yeah. And, yeah, she says... Uh, that order of the pack sure takes this wolf thing seriously, don't they? And then she says, "What next, a tail?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, "What else do I need to know about?" <laughs> I think she's like, "Hey, at least they're not on your head like that psycho guy that you were in a fight with the other day." 
And he smiles again. He smiles again, but it's it's closed-lipped this time, and he says he can smell the lake, so that's why he knows there's a lake. But they end up finding a pool and a creek instead. So they're cleaning up. They're getting water. Wolf makes his hair messy again, which cracks me up. Hmm. And his hands aren't twitching for the first time, and, and so they start talking about food. Well, we don't have any food, so let's get some berries. Or could you grab me one of those ducks? <laughs> could you just grab a duck real quick? Thanks. But he actually does. He just, like, whoop. Grabs a duck. I would love yeah. to see that. I would love to see him grabbing a duck because it's, I, I, I feel like it's probably playful in some way. You know, like a dog. It's terrifying, but it's like, oh, he caught it. I mean, I don't know that I would call it playful. I kind of saw it more as like him suddenly getting super intense and being like. Animal instincts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get the duck. This is where part of me, like, the former vegetarian part of me struggles with being a mother of two dogs because Scamp has this thing where if Quentin goes out of town, he kills animals and then tries to give them to me and Beowulf because Quentin is the alpha. So, obviously, if he goes out of town, everybody's going to starve and it's right. Scamp's job to feed us. Right. He did a squirrel last time. Oh. And part of me was like, oh, my God, he just killed a squirrel. My, I raised a murderer. And then part of me, a part that I could not control was, like, really proud because right. he's been trying to catch a squirrel his whole six years on this planet, and he finally <laughs> did it. I was like, I'm kind of proud, but also a squirrel just died, and I'm not going <laughs> to eat it, so it seems kind of wasteful. Like, <laughs> but I feel like that's what this is. Like, it's a moment of, like, oh, you can really catch a duck. I mean, sorry that the duck's dead, but we got food. Right. She was impressed by how easily he caught the duck, and he's impressed why, because she can easily, like, pluck it and cook it. She's a right. fun girl. Of course she can. So now they have some small talk on page from 206 to 209, basically. And it seems really innocent at first. She's been on the farm since she was seven. She hated Paris. There was a lot of work to do on the farm. Granny and her have this great relationship. It's always been just them. No grandpa. She never married. No warts. Wait, what? Yeah. What a weird question. Because that's something that totally everybody asks. Brothers, sisters, wars. <laughs> yeah. So now it's kind of like, okay, well, what does Wolf know? Because otherwise, why is he asking her, did you have any wards? Right. Like, you might as well be like, did you have any secret people living in your house that nobody knew about? <laughs> well, it's a secret, so if she told you, it wouldn't be a very good one. Right. But we get a little bit more about Wolf instead. We find out he has a younger brother, and this part kind of broke my heart a little bit. He said he doesn't speak to his parents, and Scarlet assumes that this means they don't get along. Right. But he says he loved his parents. So, yeah, she says, well, are they dead? And he says he doesn't know because the rules of the pack forbid him from communicating. This is a weird gang. So they think of themselves as vigilantes and harbingers of change, and they have... Thing like teeth and animal instincts and mannerisms, and they call themselves wolves, and you're not, and they get taken at like 12. Because he joined when he was like 12, mm -hmm. and they literally treat each other like wolves. There's a pack mentality with alphas and betas and omegas. They don't even like cats. And on top of everything else, he's not allowed to talk to his family ever again. Yeah. This is a weird gang. A really weird gang. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I would have joined. But as Wolf points out, he didn't have a choice. He didn't have any choice. And neither did his brother. But 
But it doesn't seem to it didn't seem to bother his brother. No. Just him. Just him. So I don't know, maybe his brother thought of it as like it seems like Wolf felt like this was either the only option or was literally forced into it. And perhaps his brother fully embraced it and felt like it was an honor. Right. He says that it never seemed to bother his brother. And then Wolf's attention is caught on something. And coming out of the shadows, creepy as Heck yeah. Is the man from the train, which in the episode with Amanda Elegant, we talked about how red flags were going up when she was talking with him and yeah. how he was kind of predatorial and and as a female you need a GTFO right before he kidnaps you and now he just shows up it's ran and he he says lovely it seems i'm just in time for supper well that's an ominous way to end a chapter but it is right? a chapter nonetheless <laughs> like now we're done i can't talk about it anymore so <laughs> so there's five easter eggs and i named this one out of the woods Taylor Swift. I have not heard that song. I listen to podcasts and it's, it's literally <laughs> like it sounds. I mean, it's like are we out of the woods yet? But they're they're spending a lot of time hiding in the woods and trying to stay out of danger. And then as yep. soon as they think that they're out of the woods, that they're out of danger, Rand comes in and says, "Ooh, supper! It's time to eat," which feels very ominous, like yeah. I said. So that sounds yeah. like it uh, was very fitting. What was your quote for this chapter? Again, not so much a quote, but just when he says, I could win against six any more than that, and it would be a close call. Like, <laughs> his confidence there. It's just. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the cat line. That makes me laugh so much. A <laughs> yeah. cat? Don't insult me. Yeah, but I'm a cat person, so. I just think it's <laughs> funny the way that he, like, he's not like, oh, no, I could probably take a lion. He's like, a cat? A little kitty. (laughs) So mine was, the smile she'd been waiting for warmed his face. I like getting to know Wolf a little better. I like that, for some reason, she trusts him, even though he's given her lots of reasons not to. So so my favorite part is when she is looking at his teeth, and he's pointed out that there's a lake, and she's like, stop, like, wait. And he glances at her. And she says, do that again. And she says to smile. And the order he was met with the opposite response. Wolf shrank back, his jaw tense, as if to be sure his lips stayed locked together. Like, the instant switch in him. Like, that's where, for me, I was like, oh, he's, like, he really doesn't want her to know. Like he's, he's ashamed of this. He kind of let yeah. his guard down. Yeah. And, and he, he was, started feeling comfortable around her. And he they were starting to open up and he's got like. And all now he's sudden, ashamed. He's, he realizes yeah. like, oh, no, that might be a reason for her to run. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. And it, it's kind of heartbreaking. But it's nice that she doesn't seem to mind. And that's another. As long as he doesn't have a tail. <laughs> that's again. That's kind of why I identify with Scarlet because. I tend to, joking is my coping mechanism, I would take this serious thing and be like, okay, I can handle this. I need to make a joke to make things comfortable again. Right. <laughs> like, that's that's me. No, I completely agree. And I think a lot of people are like that. Like, tensions get high. Oh, yeah. And you want things to go back to a time when you were a little bit more comfortable. So for today, we had a total of 10 eggs and two gloves. 
And next time we're going to do chapters 21 and 22. Where can people find your podcast? So we are um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all of your main podcast platforms. Um, the name of the podcast is Book Lit, two separate words, and it's L-I-T, like short for literature and getting lit. Um, you can also reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. It's Booklet Podcast. And our email address is booklitpodcast at gmail.com. I hope everybody goes and listens. Yeah. And maybe sometime I can come on an episode. We've talked about that before. Yes, we really want to plan one. I've got to introduce Bethany and Holly. Um, Your co-host. Yes, Holly is my co-host. And I need to get them together because I talk... We can be besties. Yeah, I love besties. Yes, because Holly is great. She, yes. she is my my other half. Yay. She's my favorite. Next time, uh, we will cover chapters 21 and 22. And in the meantime, please follow us on Instagram and rate, review, and subscribe. And check out the Patreon. And check out Booklet Podcast. And in the meantime, don't get clamored. Don't get clamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Paige Turner from Booklet Podcast. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.